What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Wednesday, January 20th, 2016, and you guys are listening to episode 242. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody had good um, good time in between shows, and I got a great show for you guys today. I am here Wednesday night doing this nice and early, so you guys will even get this probably um, probably tonight, so like late night if you're up, or uh, definitely when you wake, when you're waking up uh, tomorrow morning on Thursday, uh, it should be there waiting for you, my gift to you, on time, not sick, not traveling, so here we are, um, boy, I got a lot of shit to talk about, I'm gonna try to do it without being that angry, but uh, there's a lot of shit going on, um, in this episode, a lot of stuff with movies, a lot of fights, a lot of arguments about documentaries. I saw another one yesterday, which is crazy, which I cannot wait to talk to you guys about. Also playing with the idea of doing something, which would be a huge announcement for my show. Um, but I'm actually going to put the feelers out with you guys and see what you guys think. Um, going to talk a bunch of stuff here. Before we uh, get into the show, Versi Effect Podcast has to shout out the sponsor, as always, gonzofame.com. Go to gonzofame.com for the best, most in-depth interviews with your favorite comedians today. Um, Up-and-coming comedians, established household name comedians, comedians um, that you know, that you want to know, you're going to know all this. It's the best. It's the best website for interviews run by Dave Gavry out there in Chicago. Very funny up-and-coming comedian. Check out Dave Gavry and gonzofame.com. Uh, also, if you guys are interested in um, being a sponsor and having me uh, advertise or doing advertising with my show, I'd love to do that. Um, so uh, you could reach out to me if you want to reach out to me directly because I'm not doing anything through um, anyone else when it comes to this show yet. But I'm going to be uh, talking about something. Uh, actually, I'm going to talk about it uh at the top here now, but, um, if you are interested, if you have a product you want me to plug, uh, just email me at, um, at unacceptables for TVE at Gmail. That is the same email where people will send me stuff. Um, you know, if they're unacceptables for the week, you could send it over there. That's basically the main email of my podcast. So send it there and, um, someone will reach out to you, most likely myself, reach out to you and we could talk about uh, working together. I'd love to I'd love to do that. Always looking for um, especially like good products and something that I think makes sense with um, with my show. Uh, now, I have we've been talking about something, so I'm gonna just throw this out there to you guys before I get into the show or or this will be the first thing that we talk about here today. Um so as you guys know, and I said this many, many times when I first started doing my show, I said that I was never going to ask for money. I was never going to ask for donations, which I never will. Um, I get it. Some people, you know, need certain equipment. Some people pay for studios and, you know, fans that love it and want to keep it going, send stuff. And that's great. I'm not knocking anybody that does that. I'm not knocking any podcast that, um, asks for donations or even, <clears throat> excuse me, even charges, uh, people to subscribe for that matter. Um, just with, I figured, you know, I'm going to do an hour. Sometimes now it's an hour, 15 hour and a half. 
Um, the most of my show is is an hour and a half, so let's call it an hour and a half show that, um, you know, or an hour show I give you guys for free, and that's just the way that it's always been. However, here's the idea that's being played with right now, and um, everyone's telling me I should do it. I'm leaning towards doing it. If I do do it, I'll make the announcement uh, probably in the next month or so. What I'm thinking about doing is continuing um, continuing to do the Verzi Effect podcast um, once a week for free and having my regular Wednesday night into Thursday morning slot, which, you know, that's pretty much when it comes up on your guys' uh, iTunes. Or, or and, I should say, and then... Um, giving people an opportunity where I'm going to do it the rest of the week for an hour a day. Okay, so I'm going to do a Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And I might do two of them on Thursday just so I have Fridays off for traveling. So basically having a, a full show, a full radio show for a one hour slot a day. But those extra shows I would have to just because of my time and all that stuff, I would definitely, it would have to be a subscription. It would have to be something that people uh, paid for just because of, you know, the, what what it would entail. It would also entail me probably having to get, um, you know, a producer and, and, and doing a whole different a whole different studio and sound thing and all that stuff. Um, even even if it was from from where I do it now. So if I did do that, it would kind of be similar to like, uh, you know, like with Nick DiPaolo. Nick DiPaolo has his regular one. But then um, if you subscribe for like $3.99 a month, you can basically get the whole week's worth of, of shows. So um, I'm thinking about doing that. I, I don't know. I have to really sit down and make sure that I would have the, the structure for that. Um, if I do, um, I want to do it. I want to do it. Things come up every day. You know, I would only keep obviously the unacceptables to the to the one show a week on Wednesdays, and and we talk about other ones if it came up that week. But it would just basically be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and maybe the Thursday would be a longer one or something like that. And it would uh, be you know be a, be a show, a long uh, everyday show that you guys could just get and listen to every day, like your morning radio or whatever. Um, so I'm really thinking about doing that. It would be a subscription for, you know, somewhere between three and five bucks a month to get the extra ones. And of course, um, but don't worry if I don't decide to do this and if you don't subscribe, you will still get the Verzi Effect podcast, um, once a week for free, like you've always been. So that will never change. I've, I've given my word on that and I'm that that's not going to change. Um, advertisers, of course I always look for, but I'm for that, for the one, you know, you know that for the one a week that I would never change that so you guys let me know I know I have listeners and it's it's an honor to have listeners all over the place overseas um and and so if you guys want to hear my bullshit um for another you know three to four hours a week and um you would be willing to subscribe or think it's it would be worth it you know I just want to make sure I have listeners too you know, because people get set on listening to my shit once a week. I don't know. I'm just being honest here. I'm just talking to you guys honest. I don't know if people want to hear me more than that. You know, maybe they're like, nah, dude, you know what? I'm in, uh, you know, one time is good. I get my dose and that's it. Or we do something every day, have fun. Maybe uh, one or two of those days will be like always a guest um, or just shooting the shit. You know, any kind of arguments we got going on, we'll just jump right in. There'll really be no... 
um, structure all the time the way it is now. You know, now we got the movies, now we got the sports, we got the, you know, the, we got the unacceptables, we got your guys' unacceptables, my unacceptable, all this shit. Um, so it would just be kind of like a free-flowing, cool thing. I think it might work. So give me your feedback, let me know, and uh, I'm going to make a decision on that in the next um, in the next month or so. All right. Moving forward. Here we go. Everybody wants to talk about the Oscars. I'm going to talk about the Oscars for a second here. Um, Jada Pickett-Smith came out and said that, um, you know, African-Americans or, who you know, whoever was excluded, I guess there hasn't been an African-American nominee in the past couple of years and that, um, you know, she's urging people to boycott this year's Oscars and putting pressure on Chris Rock because he's the host and should he boycott and, um, you know, and I guess um, Spike Lee, he might boycott. And my whole thing is this, you know, it's like, first of all, Jada Pickett-Smith and Spike Lee haven't been nominated for a fucking Oscar. Have they ever been nominated for an Oscar ever? It's like, if you're going to boycott, boycott because people don't like your shit. Don't, Don't fucking... You know, and don't put pressure on Chris Rock because of that, because now it's like this guy's got a great gig. It's a huge thing for a comedian to do. I know he's done it once before, but it's a big thing for a comedian to do. Now he's got to fucking worry about it. And it's just it's just so fucking ridiculous. And I got to be honest, you know, there's something that I was talking about um, with some friends this week. I want to talk about it now. And it may upset some of you, and it may not. And I, I really don't give a fuck because I'm, I'm just being honest and I'm, and I'm telling the truth. And, and it's, it's, it's actually, it shouldn't upset you because anything that I'm about to say right now is not anything that's one-sided or biased towards any group. It, it's actually a fact of the statement that I'm going to make is a fact. And here, here's what's bothering me. I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm really getting sick and tired okay, of watching, you know, people go on late night talk shows or people just in social media and all these different platforms that people have talking about white privilege and how fucking easy, you know, white people have had it and and basically suggesting that they know my life and how easy I had it because of the fact that I'm white, okay? Now, I will never sit here and pretend that it is not harder sometimes in certain situations to be somebody of color, African American, a minority, you know, Latino women in certain. Sp- I know that people have had it harder. I I get that. I understand that that there have been situations where that is that that happens a lot, and I can't act like I know what that's like because I don't. Okay, but to the flip side to that is to just look at somebody. And say, oh, that person is white privilege. That's all. Oh, that's white privilege. Yeah, you know, you don't know what the fuck I went through. You don't know what anybody. You know, fine. Yeah, you know what a politician's son and a hedge fund fucking baby. Okay, fine. They fucking grew up. Whatever. They grew up with getting. You know, they there there's there's trust fund babies, all that shit. They get cars and they go to the schools. Yeah, and that definitely happens. But that's not the fucking case with everybody. Like. It's so funny when somebody looks over at me and they see that I live in a nice house in a suburb, okay, and, and you know, that, that all of a sudden that, that my whole life was like that. Totally not understanding how fucking, I actually know, I personally know 
I have friends who are minorities from different groups, even different genders, who didn't didn't even have it close to as, as hard as I had it. And I'm not gonna act like I had this fucking you know that I that that people didn't have it worse than me. But the fucking I mean, there are things that happen with me in my life where it's like if you fucking look like oh wow that was actually that's kind of fucking. That's kind of a wrench thrown in a childhood, definitely. And I'm not going to complain about it and sit here, but the whole thing is that, oh, we just, of course, we just had it easier. Everybody, we just had it easier because we're white, every, white privilege. No, white privilege, yeah. Totally not considering the fact that my parents had a brutal divorce when I was five and my brother was 10. Totally not considering the fact that me and my older brother lived in a one-bedroom apartment where my mom stayed in the fucking living room or whatever so me and my brother could go to decent schools and have a bedroom to share while she fucking slept over there after the divorce and things were fucked up. Yeah, totally not understanding that, you know, not understanding that we fucking, you know, had to make sacrifices with shit and things were brutal between my parents and stuff and me and my brother were caught in the middle of it and it was really fucking tough. Now listen, I'm not complaining about that and I don't want to come across at the beginning of this thing as, um, you know, as, as somebody who's like, well, I had it hard. No, there are people sleeping out in the street. There are people who were fucking sexually molested. There are people that were there that are, you know, you know, physically, mentally abused, there, there's people who fu- didn't have a house, didn't have clothes, you know, all that stuff, no education, of course people had it harder than me, but I'm just saying, like, this whole thing of, like, when some fucking celebrity is sitting on the couch talking to Stephen Colbert, and they're like, let me explain white privilege, or this is white privilege, or how many people look like me, or, or back there working at CBS, and everybody laughs and claps, it's like, you don't fucking know anything, it's just like this accepted thing where everybody fucking, you know, Everybody claps and erupts and it's, oh yeah, there's the edgy fucking, there's the edgy diverse character on the show. Let's fucking all fucking, you know, get involved with with what he's saying. Yay. Shut the fuck up, man. Stop fucking crying. And the funniest thing about this is Jada Pickett Smith and whoever else, they got fucking more money than fucking 90% of white people. Jada Pickett Smith and, and Will Smith, are you kidding me? They're probably close to a billion dollars. I know Spike Lee's neighborhood and I know where Spike Lee lives because I lived right around the block from him when I lived in Manhattan. He's doing fine. You know, I honestly think this shit divides people more. I really do. This whole thing fucking divides people more. You know? And, And I'm just like, don't act like you know what I went through. Don't act like you know what every single white person just, it's, it's absolutely irresponsible, irrational, and silly for anybody, anybody, any group. I don't care who you are, black, white, uh, you know, Latino, uh, woman, gay, straight, anybody. It's to look at somebody that's different than them and assume what they had, what they went through, and whether they had it easier or harder than them. To assume that and not take things on an individual basis is fucking ridiculous. But right now, in Hollywood and everywhere, everywhere, it's just like how, how much easier it is to be white. And I, I, I gotta be honest, it's really fucking annoying. It's annoying and it's just, it's almost getting hacky now. You know? And it makes me think about things in Hollywood like, you know, you know who never complained? Remember the director, John Singleton? Yeah, you know why he didn't complain? Because he was too busy fucking 25 years ago making movies about his struggle and the struggles of, you know, neighborhoods that he grew up in. And, and he fucking was crushing it in Hollywood when he made Boys in the Hood and he did all that shit. 
You know what I mean? So it's like, it makes me think of things like that. Everybody just wants to, maybe Will Smith didn't deserve, doesn't deserve an Oscar for a concussion. Maybe he doesn't. Is that, does that ever factor in? You know, I, I, listen, I'm not saying that like things sometimes don't lean a certain way and sometimes it could be unfair, but like, I just think that the way that things are going now, it just seems I've been like, and you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I talk about this on another podcast before, but I've been told me for my stand up and my comedy. Okay. I've been told, and I just had a fucking monster album come out as far as reviews and as far as sales. And I'm not saying that to be an arrogant dick. I did. My comedy album did really, really well. It made number one on the iTunes charts and number four on fucking Billboard, which I'm completely humbled and thrilled about. And and I tried to get on, you know, certain things. And, you know, obviously, you know, my, you know, I have a, a, an agent who's helping me now. And, you know, I've had managers help me and all that stuff. But I've been told. I have literally been told, listen, Paul, you're not going to get on that season of this show or they don't, they're not looking, you know, they have to pass on you for this right now. And it is specifically because they told me they are looking for black Latino and women this season. I've been told that. And you know what I said? I just kind of said, all right, man, if that's at least they're being honest. At least they're telling me. And I went home. I didn't write a fucking blog about it. I didn't go and fucking complain. I didn't fucking round up a bunch of, you know, straight white male comics saying let's fucking boycott this shit. You know, it is what it is. Is it unfair? Yeah. I mean, am I going to lose an opportunity? Sure. I'm sure a lot of people lose opportunities. And I know some people going, well, yeah, well, what about the female comics who got this and that? Look, things change and things shift. Right now, I'm telling you what's going on. That's what's going on. Period. I'm not being a dick. I'm not trying. I'm not. I'm totally cool with it. I was literally told by a big comedy network for something. Hey, I'm just telling you right now, they're looking for women and African-Americans on this season, period. That's what, that's what it is. So it's a really, it's a long shot before you even submit for it, before we even talk about you getting on it. That's what it is. And my manager looked at me and said, yes, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough this year. Cause that's what they're looking at. And I, you know, fine, fine. So it's not all, it's not all like that. You know, and, and this whole idea that, you know, it's easy for somebody like, I think, who was it? Like Aziz Ansari or somebody just like going on, just like everybody's just tweeting about, yeah, there was a tweet that I saw and this was a tweet. This was a tweet that, that, uh, just made me kind of shake my head and go, this is, is ridiculous where the tweet said something along the lines of, um, some, I think it was an Asian dude some Asian dude and Aziz and a bunch of, of um, a crew of a show, they, they won an award and they go, uh, yeah, I want to thank all the straight, all the straight white males who've dominated for so long that it made people want to see other people's story or something. And you could just tell that everybody was like laughing and everybody was like this. And it's like, what does that mean? Write some dope shit, you know? You know how many fucking comedians, and I'm not going to mention names here, and I'm not going to be a dickless, and I have a lot of work to do in my career, and I'm not trying to sit here and act like I'm the fucking man and, and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm really not. You know, I, you know, I think I'm a, a pretty good comedian who's got a lot of work to do and, and, and wants to take his career, you know, and stand up to another level like I'm sure many, com- many comedians do. But do you know how many fucking comedians that are getting opportunities that aren't really, like, ready, I should say? you know, like ready, but because they're diverse, they get opportunities. I mean, that happens. 
And, and you just, that's just the way that it fucking is. And I'm fine with that. But what I'm not fine with is somebody looking at me going, ah, oh, well, that fucking white dude's had it so fucking easy. It's like, you don't fucking know me. So it, it's, it, it's annoying the shit out of me. And then seeing this boycott, it's like, good, don't go. Don't go to the fucking thing. Your movie's not nominated anyway. Don't go. Fuck, you know, I don't care. You gotta see that. And by the way, shout out to, um, shout out to Aunt Viv. Aunt Viv, I posted it on my Facebook. Aunt Viv from Fresh Prince talking about all the problems in the world and all the shit going on and and how this whole boycott and like telling people to do that it was it was fucking awesome and if you don't know what I'm talking about just go to my Facebook and you could check it out and and you could watch it but it's just you know it's it's just perfect I thought it was perfect she was just basically kind of in response to Jada Pickett Smith's like boycott thing and I have nothing against Jada Pickett Smith or Will Smith or anything like that but I just find it like really kind of like silly like like a big award show's coming up Chris Rock's got a great opportunity it's a, and to just sit there and like do that I mean if that doesn't throw a wall in front of people and make division it's really bad what's going on now you know and I know man it, listen those fucking corrupt shitty cops doing the shit that they did, did did not help matters in race in this country it really did fuck things up that was awful because they killed innocent people man that that I really do believe that and it's fucked up but now it just seems like it's like carrying it's like carrying this weight and it's carrying over to other things and it's really fucking bad and scary and it needs to stop and people just kind of need to, you know, come together with it as crazy and, you know, I mean, as corny and cliche as that sounds. So anyway, I'll get off this. I just, that was just something that was really bothering me. Don't assume you fucking know me because I'm white. Please. All right, let's move on. Let's try to get off something. I know that was a little heavy up top, everybody. I got to try to try to get out of this. Jesus Christ, 20 minutes in. I probably got people fucking pissed. Um, you know what? No, I don't want to hear this motherfucker four more times a week. Okay. Um, well, here's something good, guys. I haven't smoked a stick since uh, January 1st. No cigars, man, since January 1st. I have not had booze, and I think I'm going on 16, 17 days. Already see the weight coming off in my face and my neck. I feel good. I'm sleeping good. And I know you guys, some of you guys jumped on the bandwagon to do it too, saying that like I am, I inspired you to lose weight and live a little healthier. Good. Keep it up. Keep it up. It feels good, man. I know I talked about people getting mad and not having as much fun. I'm already waiting to hear some people talk shit. Somebody was like, oh, I'm going to bring a nice bottle of wine over. We could hang. And I was just like, yeah, you could come over. I'm just not drinking. I'm just waiting for them to be like, ah, you fag. What do you mean you're not drinking? Um, all right, we got to get into it, guys. I'm going to get into my unacceptable. Then I'm going to go to your guys' unacceptable. And I got a couple of things I'm going to talk about. Um, oh, my God. I want to talk about one thing so bad, but I don't want to give it away. But I just, I have to, I just have to talk about it. So, it's in, it's insane what uh, a movie that I saw, a documentary. It was so absolutely crazy and insane yesterday. But I'm going to do my unacceptable and then I'll get to your guys. There's actually not many. It was a quick turnaround. So, um, let me get to mine first. Uh, this will be the last week I'm talking about making a murderer. Okay, but the fights that have started to happen and that, um, I mean, we got into it at the stand two nights ago. 
me and Giannis, Mike Cannon. Shout out to those guys, Funny Comics. But here, here's the deal. Um, my older brother, my older brother Christian, who is the best. I love my older brother. He's my best friend and he's the best. So my older brother, I got him into the fucking series and he's like, like all my friends were like, got frustrated after the first two or three. I'm like, just watch the fucking thing. Okay. And once you get to like six or seven, you're going to be like, all right, you're going to be able to start making the picture in your mind of what's going on, what you think happened and do all the shit that's supposed to happen. So he watches it. And then it intrigued him so much that he obviously went and read stuff and looked at interviews and once again found out that there's an out, there's actually like an outrage now with many people who watched it. Many people are fighting over this series and the outrage is that people are actually now starting to find out how fucking irresponsible the filmmakers of that are. So my unacceptable for the week is how absolutely disgraceful some of the things that they left out of that documentary are, and I think that the two women who made that fucking documentary should absolutely be ashamed of themselves, ashamed of themselves, okay, for wasting my fucking time. I wasted days on this shit, okay, only to find out that there was what? Fuck, dude, my older brother called me up and he was like, pissed off. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, this is insulting. I didn't know this. Oh, did you know this? He started telling me shit that I didn't know that they left out. Okay. And I'm not saying 100% I know the guy did it because nobody fucking does. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is 100% you didn't get the fucking right story. That I can tell you happened 100%. And I know people sending me links. I know people, I got listeners on my fucking show who, who, who live in that county who sent me links. There's rebuts. There's a rebuttal of every fucking episode from some reporter who, fuck, who was at the trial every day, who saw things every day, listened to evidence and, and all this stuff every day, who rebutted every episode of the thing. When that's the case, it's an absolute fucking sin. So my unacceptable on this episode, and this is like, again, I know I talked about it a couple of weeks. I promise you guys I'm done talking about it after this. You guys can go at me. People are writing me. People are mad at me. People are saying this and that. This is all I'll say. The people edit it the way they wanted to edit. It's a movie in a biased fucking angle towards the defense or for the defense, I should say, 100%. That is a fact. And to hear all of the things I actually had a friend say that the documentary, watching it, made them mad at the victim. I mean, he was half joking, but he was basically saying it's so not about the victim. And what the fuck was she do? like? Like, like it's that's how fucking nuts it is. Instead of there, there should have been at the end of that documentary, there was no Teresa Halbach's face and the dates of her her birth and her death, and in memorandum of her. You notice how it wasn't like that. There was nothing about that about this victim who was fucking raped by these animals and then killed and burned by these absolute fucking animals who should literally be put in cages and put the fuck down, whoever did it, okay? Absolutely fucking just animals, dumb, dumb individuals, simple fucking animals. There's probably fucking monkeys in the zoo that have a better IQ than some of these fucking people did, okay? And this poor, this poor girl had to be subject to it. Um, 
you know, I'm fighting. I got I got fights going on, guys. I'm sorry. It's just one of those podcasts. I'm just I'm just going in. I don't give a fuck. Uh I'm just arguing here. I'm arguing. I got arguments going all over the place. Here we go. I'm sorry. I'm literally tight. All right. I'm sorry. I literally just got in. I'm getting into it with people about um, Spike Lee movies now. I'm I'm I'm, I'm texting with people. I'm I'm all over the place right now. Anyway, <laughs> the fact that things were not even said in this thing and people are fighting like people are outraged and signing a petition I didn't even realize I learned something else that there was actually bleach found on the kid's jeans that day and his mother made a statement saying that when she came home she said why does your jeans have spotted bleach all over them or something and he said well I was helping Uncle Steve um, I was helping Uncle Steve clean the garage I mean the day she goes missing I mean it's it's you know for that not to be in a documentary at all also, the girlfriend, Jody in the documentary. You want to talk about unacceptable. How about this? The, jo- the Jody in the documentary, she was going to testify. They actually didn't need her. The prosecution, she was actually going to come back and testify against Stephen Avery because she thought he did it afterwards. But notice how in the documentary she disappeared. You didn't see her that much anymore. But they didn't even really explain what happened. And then there's an interview with her saying that that dude was like, I'm going to kill you and your parents and burn the house that you're all in while you're all inside of it. If you fucking leave me or do anything. He beat her multiple times. Threatened to kill. I mean, dude, it's like, I'm not saying, again, listen, shit like that happens. and But, you know. It's just so many things were left out and these fucking filmmakers just spent 10 years believing one thing and saying something. It's fucking enraging. So we're at the stand the other night and I'm just going, come on, man. At least it's, I don't know, where's the blood? Everyone's talking about where's the blood? Where's the blood? It's like, how about they didn't kill her in the fucking bedrooms? They did it somewhere else and cleaned it up. There was five days to clean it up. Couldn't that have fucking happened? And another thing, they did, at least they did say this though, the Innocence Project who got him free the first time, they want no part of him right now. They don't want to touch him. He's asked them. They know everything. They've heard the case. They know about the whole thing. They don't want to touch him right now. Why do you think that is? Because they know something's fucking up. So my whole thing is this. Um, And again, I would feel awful if he didn't do it. You guys obviously know my opinion on it. Um, But either way, did it or not do it, associated or not, a family member or not, of a, a, a police, whoever the fuck did this, regardless of that, which, I, I mean, I think it's outrageous to think that anybody, I, I, to, to, to think that he didn't have a part of it, but even so, just the fact that so many things were left out. Also, another thing that was left out is that the, the kid, Brendan Dash, he, he said that they planned it for three days. And the dude was like, yeah, dude, we got to do it because, you know, we got to do it because Jody's getting out of jail. So he was like trying to make sure that this happened. And he called the woman three times and she was afraid and she told her employer she didn't want to go over there because she was creeped out by the fucking guy. That was not in a documentary. That's unacceptable. So say what you want and you could be all like, I think he's innocent. I think he's innocent. Fine. I'm not going to sit here and call you a dummy because I don't know that. I think you're wrong. I think you're fucking buying into this shit. But I'm not going to, that's that's your thing. But what's unacceptable is what was left out. There, I'm done. I'm done. You don't write me or if you write me, you'll be wasting your time. I'm not going to fucking go back and battle with you. I'm not going to do it. 
I watched the documentary. I read things. I saw the real confession in real time for about an hour. I've made my decision. I looked at so many different things. I've talked to people who told me things I didn't know. I got things sent to me. I believe me. I took a lot more. I wasted days fighting with strangers about this shit. I don't need to do it anymore. I'm done with it. But this is my unacceptable. Shame on those fucking filmmakers for being that biased. Because that's exactly what they were. Oof, guys, I don't know. I'm hot. I shouldn't have opened up with the white privilege thing. Because, I mean, this is just venom today. Uh, but I don't give a fuck. You know? It's like, it's not always going to be fucking, you know. Uh, I'm fighting with Bill. But guys, that, this is what's going on right now, okay? Just so you know. Uh... What's it called? We're fighting about... I, I said that I thought Spike Lee's movies were built up and not really that good. And then he said a couple were okay. But whatever. It's it's not it's not a big fight. It's just I'm, I'm on a whole thing right now. Um, all right. Here we go. Let's get to your guys' unacceptables. And um, maybe we can... Maybe we could turn this puppy around. <laughs> oh, shit. If you guys are in a bad mood already, like on Thursday, tomorrow morning or you know, whenever you're listening to this, I'm just going to fucking, I'm just going to get you guys going. Here we go. This is from Kyle Carroll. He says, hi, Paul. Sorry for the length, but guys, there's only like four of these today, four or five of them. There's not many. So, and I got some more stuff to talk about, especially this movie I saw. Uh, Hey, Paul, sorry for the length, but I have one. I think you'll appreciate being a performer. This past weekend, me, my fiance and her parents all went to dinner and a show in downtown Cincinnati. About three quarters of the way through the first act, I felt someone grab my uh, the back of my seat, so I instinctively turned around to see what was going on. I turned around just in time to see the lady sitting behind me leaning forward, followed by the sound of gagging and choking vomit hitting the floor right behind my seat. Holy shit. The lady then leaned back in her seat like a heavy sack of potatoes and groaned, uh, loudly, uh, and audibly. My, my fiance who was sitting, um, to my left saw the whole thing as well, uh, as well and immediately grabbed her purse up off the floor and, uh, pulled her feet up onto her seat just in case the horrific scene decided to trickle its way forward to our row. The two people she was with proceeded to stand her up and guide her to the aisle to exit the theater. This is where uh, I should mention these seats were uh, centrally centrally located in an enormous theater, which means these people are causing at least a dozen and a half audience members to stand up to let them through in the middle of the show, not to mention the dozens of other people behind them now having their view blocked because almost the entire row in front of them is now standing. I gave the lady the benefit of the doubt and assumed uh, it was something out of control like stomach bug or food poisoning. Well, this was the wrong thing to assume because at intermission I decided to take a peek and see what the damage was. There were at least six or seven empty plastic cups. Wow. Cups and a half full cup of wine sitting on the floor. Uh... His animal decided to come to one of the night. Oh, I guess you were trying to say this. 
this animal decided to come to one of the nicest theaters in Cincinnati and get shit-faced to the point where she threw up. And to top it off, the animal tried to clean the mess with her scarf. Ugh. But she only succeeded uh, in increasingly and... Uh, Increasingly, uh, the collateral damage and spreading the mess around. Lock this animal in a cage with a handful of barf bags and a stomach pump. Sorry again for the length, but I had to share this one with you. Thanks for the laughs, Kyle. Thank you so much. And, man, sorry you guys went through that when you're sitting at a theater. That's the last thing you want to deal with when you go to dinner and then a show. Oh, and you know what? If you're uh, just cheap wine and fucking... That's fucking gross, dude. I never understood the getting so, like, first of all, I mean, you said the first act, so I'm imagining it's a play, I'm imagining it's a play and not a comic, the the way that it sounded, it seemed like it was like a broad, like like a play or something downtown, like a theater district down there, I don't know if I'm right, but, you know, either way, either way, if it's a play or if it's a, you know, comedy or whatever, why would you want to drink that much to not enjoy it? I feel like getting a little buzz before something to put you in a good mood is, you know, is one thing, you know, or, or you know, comedy show, maybe you get a little high. I don't know if that's what people do. I mean, I, I know, like, before I started doing stand-up, when my family would go, I know a couple of family members would just take a couple of puffs of a joint or something and go watch and laugh, something like that. But, like, I never... um I never, like, would want to get that hammered, you know, like, you can't enjoy it, plus you're, plus, that means, like, that's alcoholic shit, I think, because, like, if you're getting hammered on wine, you know, like, if if you're really, I don't know, I just feel like if you're getting hammered on wine, uh, you're, before a show, you just, you got an issue, like, you're gonna have seven wines before a fucking show starts, you know, Jesus, what would she do if she was on fucking Broadway in Manhattan? Just fucking, proge- like, exorcist vomit on the fucking stage during the first act of Lion King? <laughs> Jesus. Fucking animals. Absolute fucking animals. Um, let's see here. Um, we got another one here. So, what's that fucking thing? Okay, here we go. All right, so this next one here is from Patrick Blowen. He says, What's up, Paul? Hope the diet is going well. I jumped on the bandwagon with you and Burr with the cutting out drinking and eating better exercising bit, uh, and it's worked out great. Since November, I'm down 10% body fat and 13 pounds of lean muscle. Not bad for a 38-year-old. I have a trip to Jamaica in February that I'm using as motivation to do this. Well, that and you guys keeping me on track or else it would never happen, so thank you. Well, that's awesome, dude. Glad glad, uh, glad we're helping. Um, anyways, check this out. Today at work, I get a call from my flight attendant. I'm an airline pilot. She tells me we need hazmat at the gate after everybody gets off. No big deal, so I call it into operations. After everyone has deplaned, I go to find out what the problem is. I figured it was vomit like normal. Nope, totally fucking wrong. There was a guy that sat in one of the seats apparently wearing a t-shirt that had a horrible case of psoriasis and left his skin all over the seat and floor. Here's the picture. See all those snowflakes? Oh, God, and it's just a seat with just white shit all over it. 
Put this mother... Oh, I'm sorry. Are you fucking kidding me? Why wouldn't you wear a fucking sweatsuit and gloves around when traveling? It's like you didn't know you had this shit this morning uh, when a loft of skin dangled off your body and ends up looking like a raft in your bowl of Cheerios, for fuck's sake. Put this motherfucker in a cage, douse him in gasoline, and light <laughs> this piece of shit on fire. Uh, I guess my diet is intact for another day. Keep up the good work, man, Patrick. Wow, dude. That's, um, that's gross. Uh, that's gross, and I the picture I could have done with that, but I hear you. Uh, okay. Here we go. A couple more, guys. This one's from Drew Stein. Dear, no one goes harder <laughs> than me in the gym, Verzi. Ah, uh, that was a great one. Uh, first of all, let me say that I know this letter is super long, but I figured that you should know this, uh, funny and almost terrifying story that happened to me a few years back. Now, it doesn't seem that long. I'm in. I'm in. We're all in. Here we go. So I was at UC, and this acquaintance of mine starts talking about a party this Friday. I was single at the time, so I was excited at the opportunity to meet some girls and make some new friends. I got there around 8, which is perfectly appropriate time to arrive at a party, and already the dude was like, why are you here so early? But I brushed that shit off, no worries. Then the guy's like, hey, you want a drink? Hey, you want a drink? Over and over again, pestering me about it. Finally, after we're in the kitchen, he says to the girl, um, all right, if Drew takes a shot of tequila, you got to give him your number. I take the shot, <laughs> and it was all over after that. I drank like eight or nine beers and, um, and a really big swig of what I thought <laughs> was just Sunny D, but really it was a screwdriver with 100-proof Smirnoff in it. And I also kept walking around the party talking to this girl with really big tits and red hair that was dyed that, that way. I have, I have naturally red hair. But she got uh, mad at me for looking. So then I put my hand out just under, I put my hand out just under my eyes with my palm flushed to the ground as if to block myself from looking at her boobs. Then I walked up the steps, leaned over the banister and shouted, you know what? You're fake. Your hair's fake. Your mother's hair's fake. And your grandma's hair's fake. You're all fake. Then someone said from the bedroom across the hall, Hey, get that guy away from the banister before he hurts himself. Oh, boy. Now, I'm in the bedroom with a bunch of other people. And for a while, I was on the floor yelling for a girl named Rachel over and over again because I was too drunk to stand up. But a few minutes passed, and that went away. I saw this girl up uh, up on the bed with her butt up in the air. I drunkenly thought to myself, better give it a smack. Oh, man, dude. You're starting to... I could feel the blackout coming. And I reared my, I <laughs> reared my hand back and fucking smacked this girl's ass as hard as I could. The guy who invited me to the party tells me she's crying because it hurts so bad. You can't come back. <laughs> <laughs> from that so I stumbled down the stairs and slept in the living room and used the couch cushions as a blanket since I couldn't bring my own 
after making a fool of myself, not being responsible, and nearly getting in real trouble with that girl because she wasn't just some random person. Like, I saw her every day after, and, oh, man, and every day she was, like, afraid of me. I thought to myself, that girl could have pressed charges and put me in jail, or I could have been caught be uh, yeah, or I could have caught a beating from that guy for ruining his party. And, frankly, to me, those headaches... Uh, literally and figurative uh, aren't worth it. I gotta stay away from that shit. Thanks, Drew. P.S. I listened to your album on Spotify. It's hilarious. Not as awesome as this is definitely the way I'll propose. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, that's a great story. You actually brought me back to, like, parties and stuff. Not that I was smacking girls' asses and, you know, yelling down banisters, but you know what? I might have been because... <laughs> Who knows? But see, that's the thing. It's like when you're at a party and you get into that I'm drinking tonight party mode and you do that first shot and there's this fun anticipation that, oh, you might get with a girl or the girl's like, you're doing shots, you're doing shots. And you're like, fuck yeah, I'm doing shots. And the whole thing. And then by the end of the night, you just wake up the next day, you know, your head's on half a pillow and the other half is on like an Xbox controller you know, there's like a lollipop, you know, half sucked, stuck on your shoulder, and you're just like, what the fuck happened last night? No, you don't, you don't need it. You don't need it. And the, the, the best thing about it is, honestly, not having to worry about that, you know, not having that guilt, not having to make the phone call. You know, I do a joke on my album about, you know, the last thing you want to do is talk to your friends the next day after you blacked out because God knows what they're going to say. But that really is true. And not having to worry about that. And I know some people are out there like, fuck that. It's fun. Or, well, have control of yourself and you won't have to do that. But yeah, it's like, listen, I like to have fun. And when I go hard, I go hard. You know, it's 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 what it is. But I, I completely have control. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to do it anymore. So I'm glad it's motivating you guys for sure. All right. Here we go. This is from uh, Richie Manti. Or Mante. Hey, Paul, love the podcast. I am currently on a train from D.C. to New York City. Sitting behind me is a couple who won't stop kissing loudly. To make it worse, they won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, I love it, Richie. They clearly just met and are exchanging a bunch of dumb fucking stories. I'm about to turn around and tell them to keep fucking quiet and uh, let them know that this relationship they're going on will be over within a week. If my fiancé weren't with me, oh my God, I'd be slapped. Uh, I'd slap these dumb cunts in their faces. Fuck them. They are animals, Richie. Um, probably just... Such a that's probably one of the funniest, just to the point, great things. I can almost feel you like doing this quickly on a train. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, oh, you know what? I think I have another one. So, thank you guys so much for the um, unacceptables on that. I don't think I have any on Twitter, but I have one here. Somebody sent me, but send me the uh, on Facebook. I mean, send me the uh, unacceptables for TVE at gmail. Uh, dot com and. Uh, and that'll be awesome. I'll read it, and we'll um, we'll have a good time. Let me let me find this thing here. Okay, let's see. Is this was this the one? What the? F I'm trying. You know, I lit You know what the weirdest thing is? I literally just saw something. 
somebody had sent me. Oh, you know what? It might be on my phone. Is my phone here? Yeah, my phone is here. I think I could get it on my phone because somebody had sent me something on Facebook. Um, but here's what I have to talk about to you guys because this is nuts. I saw, oh, this is from um, Rod Bone. That's hilarious. And he says, um, what did he say? He says, oh, Bill Cosby not getting an Oscar nomination is racist uh, and unacceptable. All right. I just wanted to make sure I read that. Thank you. Yeah. Bill Cosby's loving the attention that he's not getting this fucking week. That's for sure. All right. So let's see here what we have. Uh, how are we doing time-wise? All right. 48 minutes in. Great. So here's the deal. Should I do... No, I'm going to do sports last because I'm going to do my football picks, which I crushed on this week. But I got to tell you guys about a movie that I saw. Now, after making a murderer and, um, you know, the whole docu-series stuff, you start looking for other things and, you know, you hear about good ones and I already saw the jinx and I already um, seen just a bunch of, of the really good crime ones that's out there. So... Uh, last night I'm off, it's freezing cold, I'm making a fire in the house, I'm chilling out, everybody goes to sleep, and I'm like, what am I gonna do, I wanna watch something here, before I go to bed, so, um, I go through stuff, and I get on Google, and I'm like, what are the best horror movies on, on Netflix, so I look, and they just all look corny, and cheesy, and like, remakes, and, you know, ghouls, and goblins, and fucking, you know, this guy living under your bed, this guy in the woods, a guy in a fucking tree, a, a, you know, a possessed girl. A fu- it just was like, yeah, whatever. You know, the black eye, con- you know, black eyes, they got contact lenses, the girl's, you know, hair is down over her fucking eyes like the ring, black eyes, whatever. I get it. I, and then, I, then I'm done. So then I'm like, what are the best revenge movies? You know, and I start looking at those and I see a couple I want to see and I find out they're not on Netflix. So... And I'm like, all right, top fucking best things on Netflix that like people don't like that that might have slipped through my finger. I'm just looking. So I, f- I come to this page and they just start saying like the top 10, the top 25 movies, right? So um, I come across a few. I start going through the reviews, going to Rotten Tomatoes, just looking at things and me just reading. And I saw a couple and I go to them on the... Um, I kind of put them in the queue or whatever. I, I put them in the search thing on Netflix. And I see like half a star out of five stars. I see one star. Then I see two stars. And they all look like they suck. And like people aren't hitting them. And I'm like, what the hell? So then finally I come across this one. And um, it was called The Imposter. Okay. And I swear to God, I think I'm going to ruin it for you guys. So... All right, this is what I'm going to do for this segment. I have to talk about it. I have to talk about this shit. And then, and then, all right, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me back up for a second. So I come across this thing in The Imposter, and it says it's such an incredible story that people had to keep looking to see if it was real, and it was real. It was real, but they were actors reenacting the documentary, but also interviews with the real people together, okay? And I... Literally, for the whole movie, I'm in suspense. For the documentary, I'm in suspense. I'm watching it. There's not like 50 parts. 
you know. You don't have to like fucking, you know, schedule your kid a babysitter or a daycare to finish the fucking thing like you do with the jinx and with making a murder and all these things. You got to like dedicate a month to it or, you know, even if it takes you three days, you got to dedicate the other two weeks of fighting with people about the fucking thing. This was just a straight up one shot thing. And here's what it's about. I go to it. I see the reviews. I couldn't believe what I read, so I was like, is this fucking real? So I had to watch it. Now, here's what, here's what it is. Um, I'm going to give a brief description now, and then after, I'm going to tell you guys when you just fast forward to the sports segment of this thing, or if you want to hear the whole thing. But I'm going to give a spoiler alert right now because I'm doing the whole fucking movie, and I'm going to say what it's about. Because And you'll still watch it. That, I could, that much I could tell you. This shit was so crazy that... I was like, I was telling my wife today at dinner and she literally, we started like ignoring, not ignoring the kids, but like, well, hold on, hold on a second, hold on. And she's just listening to me like a movie. So it's about a, um, unfortunately in the nineties, a child went missing from his family and uh, I went to go play basketball. He never came home again. And, um, three years and four months later, they get a phone call. And the phone call says, we have your son, Nicholas, and he's in Spain. And they just are like, what? And it's just this crazy thing. Now, it goes back, though. What happens is, there's a guy in Spain, and he's in a phone booth, and it's raining, and he's like alone. And he says, he's just so fucking crazy. He says that, um, you know what, spoiler alert right now, just just go till I do sports because I'm saying the whole thing right now because the only way to really do it is to, is to just tell the whole movie. So, you hear a 911 call, which is a real call, and he says, yes, I'm here with my wife, we are, there's, there's a boy here, he seems scared, he's American, or, you know, he's confused, he, you know, he doesn't, you know, he needs something, we need somebody to come here and help him, and then he's like, how long will you be here, and the police uh, in, in Spain say that, you know, somebody will be there in, in 10 minutes, so then it talks about this boy, Nicholas Barclay, um, you know, rest his soul if he's gone, whatever, um, it, you know, the story kind of leaves it, but, you know, I don't even want to give that away, but this little boy, 13 years old, leaves, doesn't come doesn't come back. And then three years and four months later, when he's supposed to be 16 years old, they get this phone call. Now, the truth is, the person in that phone booth wasn't a man and his wife with a little boy there. It was a guy there. It was a 23-year-old French guy who had no family, was abandoned, never had love, nothing like that, right? And he was an imposter. He was changing people. He would just, you know, t- steal your identity and do stuff. Now, the coincidence in this situation was he didn't know about this boy in America. He was just saying that so the cops would take him and put him in a shelter. So he would have a place to sleep and he could kind of think of a game plan there. Like this guy was like a fucking very smart, manipulative liar. So the cops pick him up and like he had to act like he was younger. So he put like his hat down low and he had a hoodie on and he acted like a scared kid when the guy, you know, gets him there, right? Uh, when the police take him. So they take this dude, 
they bring him to the shelter, and he's just real quiet, not talking. They're asking about his name, like, where are you from, and everything, and he's not really saying anything. So finally, like, bigger people come into the picture, and they're like, look, if you don't start talking here, you're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna take fingerprints and find out who you are and go through the whole thing. Why don't you just say? So he's like, I'm American. Meanwhile, he's got an accent, but he's like trying to like talk like lower and like whisper and like you know. So he says, I'm American, and my family's home, and I haven't been home in a while, and I've, I've been, um, I was abducted or something. I was, I was taken, and my my family hasn't seen me in years, and you know, since we're in Europe now. I, and it's a time difference. I just kind of need to think about how to talk to them. Can I just have some time to myself? And so I put them in this office. And then the real dude's talking. And then you see like the actor dude who looks similar to him. But like, and the, and the real dude is talking like now, to, like in present time, right? So I'm already in. I'm locked in. I hope you're locked in now because what you ain't going to fucking believe what I'm about to tell you. So, I mean, you got to watch it anyway. So, uh, he goes into this office and there's like, you know, there's, there's, he just starts calling police stations in the United States, Virginia and Texas and all these places. And he ultimately gets somebody to like tell him about a missing person's case. He's like, no, we we don't really have much here, but, um, well, there's one, there's a boy Nicholas Barclay, who um, went missing a little over three years ago in San Antonio. And he ends up saying, well, can you fax that over to me? And they do. And it's kind of in like black and white. And it's kind of like a shady ink fucking shitty fax. But he looks and he goes, I'm just going to go with this. I'm just going to go with this. And he's just like on the fly, like he's just able to fucking like kind of, they called him like apparently back in his country or whatever, they called him the chameleon. So he tells the people that he's Nicholas Barclay and everything like that. And they call home to San Antonio and say, we have your son here. And they don't know what to do. They're like, holy shit. And the sister, his older sister, because I guess the mother wouldn't make the trip. And um, like health wise, I guess. But the sister decided to fly over there and get him. And they're they're all excited and they're telling him. And he noticed that like even at 13 years old, the kid had small tattoos on his hands. So he had one of the girls in the shelter give a tattoo. He dyed his hair blonde because the kid was blonde hair, blue eyes. Meanwhile, he's dark hair and dark eyes. They never did anything about the eyes. And um, all this stuff. And he's like, then he's thinking about running away. Because he's like, what's going to happen? This thing's going to fall apart. They're going to know I'm not this. They're going to know I'm not that. And I'm sitting there watching this thing going, there's no fucking way that they're like, and everybody just started to buy it. And, you know, it was almost like reminding me, like, catch me if you can, in a way. Like, the kid is just sitting, you know, and he's like older, he's taller. He doesn't really look like the guy. But the crazy thing was, the kid had a gap in his teeth and so did this guy, which was really kind of weird. So they say, you know, your sister's going to fly here tomorrow and pick you up and get you. And like, she's like nervous flying. And so she goes and she said it took so long to get there. And they knock on his door and they go, your sister's downstairs. And he's just pacing around. And she's like in this courtyard and she's looking up and she sees him in the window. And she's like, 
like, come on, baby, I see you, I'm so happy, blah, 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 this and that, and he just kind of looks and looks away, and then finally he's like, look, fuck it, I'm just going to go down there and see what happens, and the way that they leave you hanging, I'm like, holy shit, and then the scene comes, and he goes down, and then like the real guy starts talking, and is like, she just went up to him, and she was like, oh my God, I knew I recognized your nose, and starts hugging him, and like this and that, and like buying it. And then, like, the head people there, like, right when she saw him, like, she started giving him pictures. Do you remember this? Do you remember that? And he was saying that he was a sex slave and he was in a, a, a prostitution ring where military and, and big political people kidnapped him and did this and that. So they didn't want to talk about that. They figured maybe that's why his appearance was different, all kinds of stuff. And she's like, he's like looking at pictures and she's going, yeah, and that was Scotty and that was so-and-so and that was your grandma and that was your uncle and like kept like testing him with it and giving it to him and he just was like nodding his head but she was acting totally fine with it. So they'd like test him to make sure it's him and they, and all of a sudden, they long story short, they grant this guy a fucking passport to go back to the States and now the whole family's gonna meet them at the airport. And this kid's this guy's coming back. This is a 23-year-old French man. Okay, first language, not English. Dyed his hair, got these things, and is playing a 16-year-old boy from Texas who was abducted almost three and a half years prior. And he's getting on a plane with his sister who's believing it. Okay? Wait. Guys, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm like fucking. This is so crazy right now. Okay. You gotta watch this. So they get there and they actually show real footage of like her and him getting on the plane. And he's got like stuff wrapped around his nose and mouth. And he's got a hat down low and like glasses. And he's very reserved and he's not talking to anybody. And his mother walks right up to him and grabs his hand and they hug him and everything. And it was just kind of weird, to be honest. And then they were talking, the real people were talking in the documentary saying the ride home was quiet. And I'm just going, is anybody, and I'm like trying to look at people, look at him. And I'm going, is anybody going like, this fucking guy is not the guy. You know? And and they, they, they weren't, or they weren't showing him that, you know? So, he's there, and now the FBI wants to talk to him. So he sits down with the FBI and the FBI really wants to know shit. And he just says about the sex stuff and all these awful things. And she said she knew something, the FBI lady was like, she knew something was off, but it was such a heartbreaking story. And the details were so real that she just was kind of like, she just was just kind of like, you know, okay, you know, that's terrible. We're going to have you talk to a psychiatrist and stuff. Like, you know, she was definitely still in the loop, but like, this was kind of like his last test. And then that was it. And Next thing you know, he's living in this kid's room in the house. Then they show him he gets on a school bus. 23-year-old French man gets on a school bus as a 16-year-old blonde kid. And he said the reason why his eyes were brown is because they did his experiments on kids and they put, like, color in their pupils and stuff. Like, all kinds of shit. And I'm going, what the fuck? And I'm like, somebody's got to figure this out. And none of the family members did. And then he said one guy... I think his uncle showed up and just said to him, like, good luck. And he said he got the sense that that guy knew something, but everybody else acted fine. So then one day, right, one day, a private investigator was contacted by hard copy and said, yes, that boy that went missing in his back, we want an interview with him. Can you do that? So 
I'm thinking the guy's going to say, no, he's been through enough, he's done. But he decides to do it. Okay? And like everything else, you figure, here you go, this is the downfall, the one fucking mistake. And they actually showed the real live news footage of like the local Channel 7 News going... In an amazing story, so-and-so, you know, Nicholas Barclay was um, abducted, but he came back. He was actually in Spain, and, and he's just sitting there, and he's got, like, this cowboy hat and glasses on and the blonde hair underneath the hat that he died, and you're just watching it. And the private investigator said he's just listening to the interview, but he happened to be standing in a certain angle where he saw the picture of the real Nicholas Barclay. And he said he just watched him, and he just looked at features, and he... he as he's looking at him and looking at the picture, he goes, oh my God, that's not the same guy. And he said what really did it were the ears because somebody's ears never change and they actually identified somebody else once with the ears. So he looked at his ears and then what he did was he went to his office and he got a split screen and he looked at the up-close ears and then he knew 100%. He knew that there was not him because of the ears. So he started to, um, he, he called up the, he called up the, the FBI and told him, and people kind of weren't believing him. And he's like, what the fuck is going on here? So the FBI had him go to a you know, a psychiatrist or whatever, a psychotherapist to talk about his ordeal. And that doctor knew right away. He said, this is not the guy, this, there's something wrong. So he called the FBI, and he said, this man is living with people he thinks is his sister and mother and, you know, and brother-in-law or whatever in the house, and, and it's not him, and they could be in danger, so tell her, call her and tell her, wait, guys, I got some shit for you, this is crazy, call, call her and tell her that she could be in danger, but don't worry, we have him in custody, we're going to get him out, he doesn't have to go back to the house, this and that, and his sister is like, fine, so when they land at the airport, the FBI agent thinks, all right, we're going to just we're going to take them somewhere and that's it. The, you know, the, the, the jig is up or whatever, they, whatever they say. It's, 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 you know, the cover is blown. And he, they get to the airport and the sister's there. And the sister embraces him again, hugs him, and acts like she, she didn't, she, nothing. And the FBI agent just had to pause and she's looking at this woman hugging her brother that she just said is not your brother. And that this man is not your, your lost brother. And she's just acting like it is. And she said she was so taken back by it that she made a phone call. And she called up the, the office or the, you know, her superiors and said, you know, I told her everything. And she's acting like we didn't even have the phone conversation. She's acting normal. I don't know what to do. And they were like, well, let her, let him go home with her temporarily. And we'll figure this thing out. So now this guy goes home. The sister's told, which means I'm sure she told the mother, and they're acting like nothing's going on, and then the bombshell hits. Then he says, dude, I just got the chills saying this shit right now, okay? How dope is this podcast right now? Then he says, the real him is talking on screen, and he said, like, they just accepted me, and they wanted to believe it's me, and then he goes, he goes, that's when I figured it out. He goes, I was always, and he said earlier in the documentary, he goes, I was always worried, what if the guy comes, what if the kid comes back? What if the real kid comes back? Then I'm fucked, what if the real kid comes back? And he goes, and that's when I realized that they killed him. And I was like, what the fuck? 
He goes, yeah, it was convenient for me to come back because they just used that, but they something happened with the kid. They killed him. And I now I know I don't have to worry about him coming back because he's not coming back. And I'm just like, dude, my jaw, the, the incredibleness of this story, this is real. This shit is real. You could go on like this is crazy, right? So now the private investigator starts talking to him and they go out to a diner and he goes, wow, your mom's going to say this or say that about this. And he just goes, you know, that's not my mom. And like the, the fucking private investigator and him talk. And all of a sudden, like they're, they're talking to, they're talking and the private investigator believes that the boy was, was killed and maybe taken and, and buried on the property and all kinds of things. And towards the end of the movie, they think that the, so apparently what happened was the, um, this boy, Nicholas, would get into big fights with his mom, go out, play basketball, sometimes not come home for the night, then show up and, you know, they would get into altercations and there was a lot of domestic dispute calls with the family. So their uncle, the uncle Jason was called there specifically to kind of keep this kid in line and to make things better with that. And, uh, and then he just, and then the guy just left and there's a lot of speculation that the mother and the guy Jason knows what happened. He said that other oh, family members know what happened, but nobody talks about it. That's why it was co- it was fine for this guy to come because it actually that's what that's what they were saying, and they're denying it and they're saying this guy's a liar and everything like that. And I was just like, holy shit! But this private investigator believes something happened. So in the movie, in the documentary, the mother took a polygraph, passed it a couple times, and then failed it miserably. They said she failed so bad it was jumping off. And I guess she fa- I read something today that says she failed it so bad when they asked the question of, do you know the whereabouts of your son? And it was like jumping off the fucking charts. And she got upset and just like stormed out and all this shit. But the mother was cold during the whole documentary, man. Something was not right. Something was off with the mother. Never upset about anything. Kind of cold and like hard looking and just fucking weird. And the guy, Jason, ended up, um, they said, died of an overdose. But uh, something I read today said suicide. So he can't even defend himself about it. And then um, the way the movie kind of ended is the private investigator went to the house where they lived, where new people live now. And they went in the backyard with a shovel. Because the guy said the dog kept barking at something in the back. And it was like kept pulling on a tarp under the bushes and they like were digging and digging for the kid. And um, I guess they never found the body. And recently the guy said he's got two more places to dig and also a water well. But they really believe that the family knows and has something to do with it. And the uh, imposter guy got arrested for the fake passport and all that stuff. And he's doing like six years in jail. And um, kept taking aliases. They found out he did like 500 different people's names. Even when he was in jail, there was a phone there. And he would just call up saying, yeah, that missing person, I know about it. Like he was nuts. He was a serial fucking nut guy. And he did lie a lot. But but when you watch the documentary and he taught, it's fucking was one of the most fascinating, incredible stories that I've ever seen. It blew my fucking mind. So, um, it's called the imposter. That's basically what happened. I'm sorry that I, if I gave it away or whatever, you still got to watch it. You still got to watch it. You still got to, it's fucking insane. I mean, it's the longest I've ever talked about a movie on my podcast. It was one of the most shocking and for anything to get my mind off of making a murderer like this was it. I'm fascinated by the story. 
I think something is up with the family. Um, I hate to say that if they didn't. Again, you always feel bad, but just the fact that... And, and here's a conclusion that I came up with. Shit, I want to talk to you guys after you see it, but here's a conclusion that I came up with, and you guys will think about that while you watch the movie. The fact that the FBI called up the sister and said that this man is not your brother, and this man is a fraud, and this man could be dangerous living in your house... The fact that that happened and she showed up at the airport after saying that she wasn't going to and acted like nothing happened makes me believe that she talked to the mother about it and the mother and them were like, no, let's just, let's just be fine with it. This is, this will make uh, other things go away. I mean, it just, that's what it makes me feel like. And I hate to say that. I don't know, but it's just, it just seems, it just seems weird to me. And maybe the mother and sister had nothing to do with it and something else happened. Maybe an accident happened. The private investigator says what he thinks happened, but absolutely fascinating. It's called The Imposter. And um, I I mean, you couldn't make that up. So I hope you enjoyed that. But that's what I experienced last night, which was amazing. All right, let's get into sports. Here we go. Sports. I hit all my NFL bets this week. Absolutely crushed it. I think I did a halftime bet with Carolina that I missed. But I had Carolina. I had Arizona. I had New England. The whole thing. I just hit them all. Um, And poor Packers, man. That was something. That was something. That Hail Mary was incredible. But I made some money. And... um, I'll give you my picks now. I mean, look, here's what I think. Oh, and somebody sent me a clip of the of the 2007. Um, I didn't realize that when the Giants played the Packers in 2007 in that NFC Championship game, I thought it was like four degrees. Somebody said it was, I don't know if this is true. Somebody said it was like with the wind was like 23 degrees below zero. I don't know if that's true. So if anybody knows if that's true, let me know. But either way, it was insane. But um I just thought of that today because somebody sent me the clip. The NFL playoffs have been so insanely good that I it's I don't even know I don't even know like what I'm gonna do when the playoffs are done because it's just been that good. The games have been that good. You know, that Arizona Green Bay game was insane. Um not I shouldn't say, you know, the the Carolina Seattle game wasn't great, but you know, Carolina started to really come where it was like, man, they just totally... And and that's the one problem I have with the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers, you know, they, they gave up 28 unanswered points to the Giants. Then they gave up 24 unanswered points to Seattle. They don't know how to close. So, you know, if 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 the Cardinals... That's a, that's a tough game, man. That's a tough game. I could see the Cardinals. I don't know. But here, here are my picks for the week. Um, I think... Oh my God! It's it's the Patriots are such a fucking like anomaly. Like I just the Patriots, I think the Patriots are seven point. I think the Patriots are gonna win that game by seven. I do. You know, Peyton Manning can't throw the ball more than thirty yards right now. Even the balls he was throwing 15, 20 yards were wobbly, low, high. You know, he threw a couple of good ones. Other than that, he was all over the place with it. And I think if the running game could be stopped. 
um, and you rush him a little bit, I think they're going to make mistakes. And I think uh, I think that the Patriots' offensive game plan is already set in place against that defense. I think they know what they're going to do. Um, so I think the Patriots are going to win and cover the spread. And hold on. I will tell you right now. I don't know what the spread is. I don't know what the point spread is for Carolina and the um, Arizona Cardinals, but I will tell you what it is right now, and then I will give you my pick. But I like the Patriots. I just think the Patriots are healthy. Gronkowski, Edelman, Amendola, you know, that LaFell kid was playing good last week. I think they're... uh, I I think, you know, with, with just with... Brady and his experience, there's a lot of pressure on Peyton. There's a lot of pressure on Peyton, especially with, um, you know, his health right now. And, he, you know, he may try to try to go out with a bang and make a mistake. He's not been the best in big moments. I, I got to go with the champ. I got to go with the champ, so I'm going with Brady. And the Cardinals are three-point underdogs. Both Both spreads are three points. The Patriots are three-point favorites, and the Panthers are three-point favorites. I'll take the Patriots, and I will take... Oh, man. Oh, God, this is tough, man. I could see the Cardinals winning, but I could also see Carolina winning. I really can see Carolina winning, man. They were 15-1. and one. Gun to my head. Gun to my head, I would have to take Carolina. I think the Cardinals can win this game. I really do. And I think Carson Palmer's going to have a good game because he did not have a good game last week. But I also think that Cam Newton's going to have a really good game, and I could see this game going into overtime and um, and Carolina winning by three. Oh, man, it's tough. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bet Arizona because I'm going to tease it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the Patriots getting three. I'm going to tease that down six. So I'm going to take the... Here's what I'm doing. I'm taking the the Patriots getting three and the Cardinals getting nine. That's what I'm going to do. So... So I think the Panthers win a close one and I think the Patriots win by a touchdown. Those are my picks. How about the New York Knicks, everybody? Martin Luther King Day, they had the game won, but they decided to win it in double overtime to make it an exciting day. Tonight, they had the game won. They decided to win it in overtime to make it uh, this to make it exciting. This kid, Porzingis, man, unbelievable. His shot is fucking water. 7-3. He's getting into a little foul trouble. He'll get out of that. But this guy is just dunking on people, hitting threes, Blocking shots. Amazing from the foul lines. I'm just loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving the Knicks right now. That's doing good for me. Uh, NFL playoffs. Everything in sports is is okay right now. So there you have it, everybody. Should I do a show? Here is the question. Should I do a show three or four more times a week and have people subscribe to that? Or do I keep it to one? I don't know. Let's be honest. The show's good enough to keep going. 
right? The show's good enough to keep going. I mean, <laughs> oh my god, I'm having a fucking funny week, man. Took my little girl to ballet, and she's like three and a half, and she's like into it and doing good. And I'm just watching her, and I'm just like, this is the coolest thing ever. It's like, it's like I've taken my son to sports stuff, but like taking your daughter to something like that, it's just been, you know, and, and like I can't, and her teacher is like insane. Her teacher was like a rocket at Radio City and also a dancer on Broadway. So it's like, she's completely like this legit thing. And she's like got these little girls and I'm just like, this is so cool, but they don't want you really watching because they don't want you to distract them because they're young. So I brought my son's, um, what is it, the DS3 or the 3DS, whatever, the Nintendo fucking thing, and I'm playing Super Mario Kart, and, um, yeah, it was, it's just, it's been a, it's been a weird week, and then we're about to get a foot of snow, and we're not gonna get a foot of snow, I don't know what's going on, I'm running around the city with a camera trying to tape something, I think I finally got the tape, I'm hoping, gonna find out tomorrow, um, I don't know, I'm rambling now, which means the show is over, thank you guys so much, for listening to episode 242 from this white privileged, this unbelievably, I mean, how easy I've had it, you know, just so, I've had it so much easier than anybody, anybody of of any other group, I mean, I've had it so much easier for the simple fact that I'm white, you know, um, I'm doing the show because I'm white. I got a nice laptop because I'm white. Uh, I got married because I'm white. I have two beautiful kids. White privilege. Um, You know, what else? What else? You know, I'm going to go sit down on my couch. I got a couch. White privilege, of course. You know, other people don't have couches. Not as nice as, I mean, it didn't come as easy. You know, I got my couch, I got my couch handed to me for free. Didn't even know the person, never even saw the person. Just my doorbell rang and I had couches in front, you know, of my house and they were beautiful, new, wrapped up and there was just a big sign on them that said white privilege. So we just brought those in, which I thought was pretty nice and fair. You know, why wouldn't we? We're white. So, um... But I got to go and end this podcast because something else is going to come real easy to me as soon as I shut this down because I'm white. So um, I hope everybody out there, excluding the white people, because I know you're going to have a good week in between. But everybody else other than white people, uh, try to have a good, try to have a decent week. You know, try to have a good time. I mean, I know it's not going to be as easy, you know, if, if you're not white, it's not going to be, you know, it's, it's not going to be that easy. I don't know. Do, do white people get cancer? I, I don't think I got to look at those stats. Immune to, immune to a lot of other things. I think we are, but anyway, uh, if you're white, know what your guys are going to be doing. You're going to be getting fed grapes and handed champagne to you all day. And somebody's going to dress you tomorrow. Uh, God, this is so easy. Anyway, have a good time. This has been episode 242. Oh, I got to do plugs. I got to do plugs. And you know what? I got good ones, guys. Here are the plugs. And please come out to these shows because uh, they're going to be awesome shows. I got, I, I'm got. i doing them in like really cool places. There's a cool comedy club, which I'm really excited about. It's new. It's in Poughkeepsie. Um, I kind of grew up 
going to Bananas in Poughkeepsie because I went up there to high school uh, near Poughkeepsie. I went near there for high school. I went to John Jay High School, class of 97. And um, I saw Chris Rock when I was really young uh, up at um, Bananas. And, you know, Bananas was an establishment up there since the early 80s. And it's no longer there. And Laugh It Up is trying to bring it back. So I'm doing one night only because they're trying to build this thing up. But it's Saturday night, January 30th at Laugh It Up Comedy Club, which is located at the Mahoney's in the Mahoney's restaurant and bar somewhere. They have a room for comedy. And I heard it's amazing. I know some comedians have done it. So get tickets to that. I got a lot of people, friends and family coming out to that. That's going to be a dope show. I'm bringing my buddy Stavros and um, Robbie Slovic with me. So that's going to be awesome. Also, I will be at the Callet Theater, the all-in tour, February 13th. I will be at uh, Rockwell's in Westchester, February 20th. Please, guys, March 11th. I will be, I'm sorry, I will be March 25th and 26th. I will be at the Comedy Shop, all-in tour with Joe Bartnick um, in uh, Wontog, uh, New Jersey, and uh, the Best Western uh, Saturday, March 26th in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. Go to those, okay? March 25th in uh, Wontog, New Jersey, the Comedy Shop. March 26th, the Comedy Shop at the Best Western in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. Go to those shows. Me and Joe Bartnick will be at those shows. Those are going to be awesome as well. For more dates, they're going to keep getting added on paulverzi.com. Follow me on Twitter at paulverzi. That's V-I-R-Z-I. You guys are the shit. I'm looking for feedback on what you guys think of the show. And um, we'll take it from there until episode 243. I'm out of here. Thank you.